You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Which coast? Traveling east to west... Aaron Ladd. Oh, he did it! (laughs) Mark Gunnels. At the house, on it. Chiefs coast to coast. I'm having a normal day, just minding my own business, scrolling through the socials. You know, of course, going X, going Instagram. X. (laughs) And then I see... I'm like, because you know, I see, I have a lot of Swifties, like follower friends who are, are are Taylor Swift fans, but like, I was not expecting you, you of all people. I was like, I like double take. I'm like, what's going on? Well, first of all, she makes great music. Um, you know, I'm I'm a very well rounded person when it comes to music. I can listen to different genres. So I don't know why you're so surprised. <laughs> And if you're following us here on the video platform, you should be rocking with us every Wednesday at, at six on the Arrowhead Pride uh, platforms, YouTube, Twitter, wherever. You'll see Mark Gunnels' Instagram story. He's got his uh, he's got his friendship bracelets on. I see seven. Yeah. I see gold. Oh my goodness, Mark! Is were you like last yeah. place in your fantasy football league? Like, what's the <laughs> what's the backstory behind behind this? Because this is just out of character. So, okay, so she had six nights out here in Los Angeles. If you're not aware, I live in L.A. right now. And it's at, it was at SoFi Stadium. And I happened to live literally down the street from SoFi. So I had a couple of friends that had an extra ticket. And it was like, I was like, why not? I'm not doing anything. Why not go to a Taylor Swift concert? Just one of the biggest artists in the world right now. And I became a fan. Like she, singing, she singing puts the top out of your great, lungs. I already know. You'll never, never, never be getting back together. Yeah. <laughs> she got some hits, man. I was, I felt the energy in the stadium. It was incredible. I don't know if we're going to be able to continue this podcast much longer. Well, I'm a Swifty now. Ugh, yuck. Do you not like Taylor Swift? What's your deal? Um, you know, growing up, I was, I took the Kanye side in that whole thing. So I guess I just kind of stayed along, even though I'm not as strict on that, at that side as I once was, but you know, now that I know you, you're a trusted source. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll listen to Taylor a little bit. You didn't go when she was there at Arrowhead? Did I have $2,000 to spend on some tickets? Heck no. I don't know. I mean, you're always an Arrowhead for anything else. Maybe you got to plug it. No, I didn't make it. (laughs) I can't make it to Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Man, let's get it going. Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, episode 52. I should have worn my bracelets for the show. Ay-ay-ay. Mark Gunnels is the biggest Taylor Swift fan I know now. He's out in L.A. Aaron Ladd here 
in Kansas City. Steven Serta's behind the board. And we got real football to talk about. Well, kind of. We'll recap the Chiefs' first preseason game down in the Superdome in New Orleans. We'll also look ahead to their next matchup against the Arizona Cardinals in a very familiar place for Chiefs fans once again. We'll talk about that one. And then I will not only ask Mark for his Vegas analysis, but then we'll go to uh, the social media streets to try and dissect some cryptic tweets from Chris Jones as his holdout continues at camp. We love making y'all part of the show. 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line. We'll actually get to a voicemail later in the show. First one in a very long time, but it could be uh, it could be you making part of the show. So uh, chime in and, and possibly hear your voice part of the show. Also, if you're commenting, hashtag C2C. Um, Jeremiah's already watching on, on Facebook, says a big Chiefs in the chat. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, if you don't like what you're hearing, comments, criticisms, concerns, whatever, uh, we want to hear from y'all here on Coast to Coast. Going to start this pod uh, shouting out uh, Kansas City, right? Mark Gunnels is, a, is just a kid from KC. It's 816 day as we're recording this uh, with August the 16th. Um, so just, you know, this podcast wouldn't be possible or wouldn't have the same feel without without KC, man. What's, what's, what's your favorite thing about 816 Day, your favorite thing about KC? Oh, man. First of all, happy 816 Day. I hope you celebrated very well since you didn't do any homework before the show today. Wow. Um, you just exposed just exposed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, nah, nah, we always do our homework. I'm just joking. But, um, yeah, 816 Day. I mean, my favorite thing about Kansas City. First of all, I got to start with the barbecue, man. And I think, you know basic. what, I think I've, I've appreciated it. No, but it's not basic when I've been gone for six years. <laughs> I live in California. This is this is not a state known for barbecue, right? Like, we're known for Mexican food, Korean, you know, everything else. But as far as barbecue, it's not hidden out here. So I think that's made me appreciate it even more. So when I go back, I have to hit up my favorite spots. Like, you got to go to Gates. You got to go to Jack Stack. Got to go to Q39, shout out the LCs. Like, sometimes it's hard to fit them all in one trip because, you know, I'd be in and out the city. You know you know how I roll, Aaron. But, uh, you know, besides that, I mean, just just the hospitality. You know, I think there really is a thing to the Midwestern people. I think we really are just genuinely nice. And I've really, like I said, being out here has made me appreciate more things about being from Kansas City because it's so fast-paced out here. People aren't really stopping to see how your day was. Like, those are just the little things holding the door for you. If you don't – if you're at a red light out here and you don't go in, like, within one second, they're going to honk at you. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen in Kansas City, bro. I'm like, dang, it just turned green. So I think just the little things like that has just made me appreciate being from Kansas City more. That's how I know you'd be texting at the red light, sending out some tweets at, uh, in the middle of traffic. Nah, I think I'd be, I'd be changing the Taylor Swift song, trying to mix it up. That's what it is. Let's get out of here. Chiefs recap. Let's get it. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. You're a fool, first and foremost. I want to start with that. You're an absolute hey. fool. Hey, hey, man. I don't know what, the, what you want me to say. Saints defeat the Chiefs 26-24 in week one of preseason play. Uh, let's go through a couple of the stat lines here uh, as we kind of talk about some of the big headlines. Shane Vuchel, uh 
Um, hell of a day for him. 11 for 18, 155, two touchdown passes and the one interception. Uh, Mahomes' line a little different, just the, the few drives there. Two for two, 15 yards, 97.9 rating for him. Uh, big standout day also in the wide receiver department for Nico Remigio. Six targets, four catches, 71 yards. The longest of those being a 24 yard reception obviously we know how this one ended the screen pass that gets intercepted and then the saints kind of set up the gimme uh field goal to win it but i want to start with the first team because obviously those are the snaps that we're paying the most attention to first team offense and first team defense i think andy Reid admitted both sides he felt were a little flat and was expecting more uh from the starters in this one considering it was their first taste of game action since the super bowl in arizona I want to get your initial reactions on the the first team and, and what you thought, what you saw in, in those few series that they had. Yeah, I think it's really hard to take much from this game, especially from an offensive perspective. I mean, the first four plays involved CEH touching the ball. So that that's when I knew that they were very unserious uh, in the game plan. Really? Really? Four plays in a row to start the game to CH that will never happen in any regular season game this season. You can book that right now. He's not getting four straight plays to start a game. Never. So that right there was a telltale sign to me that maybe they're trying to boost his stock potentially. You know, maybe that's part of it. Uh, give him the ball and hopefully he can do a couple things against the Saints first team. And maybe a team's oh, maybe I'll throw a sixth or seventh round pick in there if you want to offer it i don't know but that was a very strange start to me mahomes didn't throw a ball past 10 yards so i mean what can i really take from the offense to start the game here but one thing i will say is in limited snaps and just all around not even the first team but the first second and third team offensive lines i thought the offensive line was play was really good throughout the game uh, you saw clips. I don't know if you saw, but yeah, it's been pretty much all over now with Donovan Smith. He had a couple plays. He had a pancake. He had this one play where he was sweeping out to the right and finished the guy, you know, just showing that athleticism. That's something that I don't think we really had with Orlando Brown, which is something I think the Chiefs are excited about. Last year, he was injured in Tampa Bay. He still played through it, but he clearly wasn't the same guy that he was two years ago when the Bucks did beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So I think that was encouraging. Juwan Taylor looked good because it's all about the tackles. I mean, I think we all agree that the interior offensive line is, if not the best in the league, one of the best. So not really worried about those guys, but just the, the, those tackle spots. And I thought they played pretty good from the limited snaps that I saw. Uh, are we touching the defense right now, too? Or you want to yeah, chime in on that? Yeah, because I to me, the defense it... – and then going down 14 nothing, right? Derek Carr's drive, Jameis Winston's drive. Like, I understand Chris Jones is not in there, but I, I more so evaluated or I'm more so taking away kind of the flatness that we saw from Kansas City's defense more so than the offense. At times, we've seen Casey's offense be flat with the starters being there, with the ones last year, with so many new faces, uh, a complex offense, a lot of the young guys trying to figure out what the offense is. For the defense to go out there and basically get steamrolled by – uh, Derek Carr and company, uh, I I agree. It, it's more of a mentality thing, right? It seemed like they weren't ready to play from snap number one, which to me is something that we're not used to seeing from the Chiefs, uh, offense or defense. Yeah, but one thing I will say is there's a very little game planning that goes into these preseason games from both sides, if any at all. Really, as far as your opponent goes, you're more focused on what you're doing. You're not really 
looking at the tendencies of a Chris Olave or Derek Carr, even though you played Derek Carr throughout the last 10 years or so. So you do know him, but it's a new system that he's in now in New Orleans. So you're not really game planning for your opponent. So that's one thing I will say. The offense should have an advantage in these matchups, especially when the rules are catered to the offense anyway. So that's an, another added advantage they have with very little game planning going into these games. But I will say I was a little concerned about Justin Reed. There was a few times where he got beat on one-on-one coverage. Uh, didn't look too well, but his coverage skills has never been his strong point. He's more of a box safety, a hard-hitting guy that comes down. But you still want to see him have better reps than what we saw this past Saturday. But I don't think it's not, nothing that you should overreact to. Like you said, no Chris Jones and don't forget no Legereus Sneed as well. You mentioned uh, knowing tendencies and, um, you know, that kind of thing. One guy who knows the tendencies of the Kansas City Chiefs, it's Colin Saunders, who's now in New Orleans. I thought his post-game comments were very interesting, very funny. This guy is a, 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 um, a press room monster, if you will. This is what he had to say after facing off against the Chiefs in preseason week number one. So fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really felt like practice. Like, it's just really – you know, I, I felt like I saw a lot of the plays that I'm used to seeing. Um, I was out there calling out some stuff and kind of cheating a little bit, but it ain't cheating because I know them. So, um, but no, it, it was fun um, get to talk to those guys too, like before and after the game. And because um, you know, like I said in my introductory press conference here, like I'm a big team guy. I'm a, um, treat them, treat those guys like my brothers. I still talk to those guys daily, and um, and so it was good to you know kind of reconnect with them and. Um, you know, share sentiments and all of that stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, they know, they know, they also know who I am and, and they know that they know that I'm a team guy. So they know I take the Saints seriously. And I, you know, it's not like, no, oh man, I wish I can be back. Like, no, I love y'all to death, but I'm a Saint. And so that's how it is now. Really cool to see Saunders in his new environment. Wish him the best there. Also cool to see Tyron Matthew and just kind of the reconnection and the love that those guys still have for the kingdom here. But going back to some of the first team struggles that we were going, the fourth and one in the short yardage situations, that's that's a perfect opportunity where, and I know you're going to shake your head and say, oh, it's preseason. These things don't matter. These are reps, and I tweeted this out in the moment. These are reps and game speed reps that cannot be replicated in a practice or camp style environment. Yes, I know you're not game planning. Yes, I know you're not you're not really prepping the same way you would going into a regular season. But fourth and one, a situation that we've seen the Chiefs offense face time and time again, they failed. So I'm going to judge them off what they put on tape. And Colin Saunders was a big reason why they failed in that situation. Yeah. And I may surprise you. I actually am pretty disappointed in that sequence. Something because it's something like you said, it's something that has, has reared his ugly head over and over again. And it's very frustrating for offense that is explosive as the Kansas City Chiefs. On fourth and one, they decide to go to the most basic play that's the most predictable play in the playbook <laughs> up the middle on a, a tight end sneak like we know it's coming everybody knows it's coming and they continue to do it over and over again so yes it is preseason hopefully that was just a trial run to see hey let's see does it work this year and then we're, oh, we're not really going to try this in a real game so that's what i'm really hoping that's the case because yeah I'm at the point now, just put the ball in Mahomes' hands. If you're going to do that, if that's the play you're going to do, I'd rather Mahomes go out on a little bootleg where he has the option to either run or just pass a little dump off to Travis Kelsey or something like that and get the first down. 
I'm with you on that. And it seems like they have pretty much staked their ground in never running a, a true traditional quarterback sneak ever again. I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in the podcast because I feel like for Kansas City to have one of the most explosive offenses in the league, they have like a three man playbook or a three play playbook when it comes to fourth and one or like short yarded situations. Uh, but that was definitely one of the, the first team failures, if you will. We're talking about a preseason week number one uh, storylines. Got a couple people rocking with us in the chat already. Jay Cruz has lots of things to work on coming out of that week number one, including Justin Reed's play. And then on the money says it was practice. Chiefs weren't even remotely trying to win. I don't know about that. I think the third quarter effort is definitely something that you could be encouraged about if you're the chiefs if you're a chiefs fan i mean what was it 21 unanswered or something like that uh coming out of the locker room and i mean they had the game all but one let's spotlight if we could and you were very active on x about this topic some risers and fallers we're we're on the cusp of the last day of camp it's kind of crazy already to say that but um chiefs will break camp on thursday from Missouri Western in St. Joe. So with one preseason game in the book and another on the horizon, two more on the horizon, who are your biggest risers and fallers in your opinion you see from that, from that game in new Orleans? I would say one of the biggest risers, I think I have to start with Justin Ross. Uh, I know he just had two catches, but the fact, and we always talked about this on the pod. I just want to see him take a real hit and get up and still be fine. You know, the guy hasn't played a real football game in about three years. So I, I was really encouraged by that first catch. He actually broke a tackle, got some yak. And then obviously the touchdown that broke Twitter. Uh, good route there, good hands. And, you know, anytime there's anything positive with Justin Ross, I mean, we see it just in practice. You know, any Justin Ross content, you're going to get those impressions up. So shout out to those guys out there chasing the bag from Elon Musk. But uh, I think he's definitely one of them. Just you got to say him, just the fact he hasn't played in a while. And then I would say, what about Nico? I mean, I know he got hurt in practice, unfortunately, a couple of days ago. Hopefully that's nothing too serious. But I think uh, Nico really impressed, especially in that second half. You know, we talk about this receiver room all the time. Are they going to keep six, seven, maybe eight, right? Like Nico is one of those guys where it's kind of hard to not put him on the team. There, You know, there's been talk about, you know, I've even tweeted this about Justin Watson. You're the I mean, only one talking about that. There hasn't been no, talking that's about not it. True. You're the one that's talking not about true. it. It's been all over Chiefs Twitter. It's been a, a, a topic of conversation. You even made a, a funny tweet talking about Chiefs Kingdom with Justin Watson throwing him away like the Toy Story meme. So you know it's been talked about. Don't do that. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But, yeah, I, I think uh, he definitely adds pressure. But now since he got hurt, the question is, Maybe in a weird way, the Chiefs can keep him now because you can IR. I put him on the IR and you can stash him on the practice squad. I don't think he would have made it through waivers if uh, he didn't make this team. So I think those are two of the main guys defensively. I, uh, as far as fallers, I mean, it's hard to say this guy because we know he's going to play an intricate part in the team. But Justin Ross, I mean, Justin Ross, Justin Reed like I mentioned earlier, did, did not impress me at all. I think this is a big year for him. I think many believe this could be his could be his best year on paper because this is the first time in his career in the NFL he's had the same defensive coordinator for back-to-back -back seasons. He never had that in Houston. And now you would think he's at his physical peak. He's 27, 28 years old, just come off a Super Bowl championship. 
He's in a young DB room, but he's clearly the older stakesman there. So everything is lined up for him to have a career year. So I don't think that was a, the best start, but it was just a preseason game. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. But yeah, I don't really see too many fallers. It's kind of hard for me to say that right now, but I do think some guys did raise their stock, like I mentioned. I wouldn't say this guy is necessarily a faller, but I think we've definitely come back to earth on our generic Prince hype four carries for 14 yards in the loss against the Saints in preseason week number one. And I was at training camp practice today. He's the third or the fourth guy getting touches now, as opposed to the second or the third guy getting touches in the Chiefs offense. We know Isaiah Pacheco uh, didn't play in that game. I thought generic Prince was a guy who, uh, could potentially take, you know, the starting role in some of these preseason games, considering uh, just how much work he had gotten, how high the talk was coming into the game. Um, I expected more than 14 yards. I'm not going to say he's falling off the face of the earth, but he's somebody that I think maybe we're starting to realize what his role is actually going to be and something that we can monitor going into this Cardinals game. I'm not saying he's not going to make the 53 or anything like that, but um, the arrow is not pointed up necessarily after the first game for Daenerys Prince. And then I would say my big riser is not Justin Ross. It's another wide receiver, Richie James. How about his offseason? He comes over from the New York Giants as far as that guy. We've talked on this pod about maybe he's the 6'7". Maybe he's the 5'6". Maybe he's one of those guys that needs to, to make a big role on special teams potentially to be able to earn a role on this team. Three targets, two catches, 44 yards, and the score, the long one for 43. And really, he should have had a second touchdown. There, there, there was a couple – there was a, a pass in the back of the end zone. Blaine Gabber kind of missed him there. Uh, Richie James, to me, had a had the strongest showing of any of the wide receivers um, in this game. I, I like Remigio as well, but I put it in this context, especially when you're talking about the whole Justin Watson thing, right? Why – is Justin Watson against the ones being measured against Nico Remigio against threes and fours in new Orleans. Like he's playing against guys who aren't even really going to be saints. Potentially Mark, he's playing against guys who will potentially be battle Hawks before they will be saints. Like, come on, let, let, let's have some real context here. We're talking about what Remigio did. Yes. I think while it's unfortunate, I hope the shoulder situation works out and he's healthy and he can come back and contribute for this team. It could potentially surplus and benefit Casey later if they can keep him on the team but let's come back down there can we not give him the gold jacket just yet no I don't think nobody's giving him the gold jacket I think it's more anti Justin Watson I don't think it has nothing to do with this preseason game as far as he is concerned I think it's about the upside I think we know who Justin Watson is at this point in his career I don't think he's going to get that much better I think when you see a guy like Nico, you see some more pop there. You see some more athleticism. And if you're talking about a wide receiver six or five or six or seven, I'm going to go with the guy that has the higher upside, not the guy that I'm more comfortable with because you're wide receiver six or seven anyway. So why, why would I care about comfortability at that point where you're going to have limited snaps to be because you're playing in a complicated offense that has a different language this is a guy who's been a pro before he's shown an ability to grasp the system remember when things were going crazy in the afc title game and guys couldn't even get lined up correctly right who's getting them lined up right 84 he might not be the best or fastest guy on the team he may not be the guy with the highest upside and the highest ceiling but as far as knowledge of the system as far as trust and comfortability with the quarterback which is another thing you haven't talked about 
27 is not catching passes from 15. Remember that. He has not caught a pass from 15 yet. I want to echo what our guy Nate Taylor said. Move him up. Have him play with the twos now. Remigio has obviously proved that he's a guy as far as uh, a playmaker. Let's have him play with the twos. Let's have him play with the one. Get him a couple stats with Mahomes. But as far as throwing him on the 53-man roster, I'm not going there yet. And that's even before the, the shoulder injury. Let's move well, a little bit. Yeah, now it's a moot point. But Yeah, yeah we're, we're still rolling through our preseason game number one analysis. Mark Gunnels is getting his Nico Remigio jersey uh, etched up right now. But we want to grade some of our first-time Chiefs or Chiefs debut. I don't know if you can count these as debuts, but I guess it's our first time seeing them in game action uh, for KC. And these can be kind of quick because we have spent some time on this game. You mentioned Donovan Smith, and there was a good article on Arrowhead Pride by our friend Rocky. He talks about – excuse me, Ron Cock. He talked about Donovan Smith's debut, and I'll read just a little bit of it. He says the three clips give an understanding of how well he moves, especially compared to Orlando Brown. He covers ground more quickly, especially because of how fast he gets out on the edge rusher or how fluid his movement is in the run game. Give me your grade for Donovan Smith in preseason game number one. I mean, I'm going to give him a hey. I don't think um, he had enough time to lower his grade. Maybe if he played a full four quarter games his grade would be lower because more snaps obviously more opportunity for some slip-ups but in the limited time i didn't see anything wrong uh, i don't he didn't give up no pressures he had a pancake he had some good blocks on the rollouts so yeah i think he I think he deserves a felix and udike uzama the kid taken from kc out of the out of k-state defensive player of the year in the big 12 last year gets a couple snaps in new orleans against the saints I will say that he is a B for his first performance, and these are just uh, ancillary ratings. I, I, I thought this was a guy that, you know, the Chiefs were during training camp and, and kind of mandatory minicamp, especially with the thumb issue coming in. They were basically like, yo, it'll take some time, but he'll be ready when it's when it's crunch time. As the weather changes, we expect his game to start to change a little bit. I thought he played well. I thought he showed some flashes of what he did at K-State. Uh, kind of had just that, you know, the pressure laid and that kind of thing. Um, I expect him to play, and and you tweeted about this as well, him and George Karloff just being kind of those young guys off the edge. He showed us uh, in, in limited, obviously, preseason capabilities what he's possible of, but um, I, I thought it was a good performance for him. Yeah, um, I feel like a very uh, easy grader here, wow. but I'm giving him an A as well. You an a as well. I mean, but if you – I mean, I know people – have their gripes with PFF, so take it whatever how you want to. But he was the highest graded rookie edge uh, throughout the first week of preseason. He had several multiple pressures in that game, and I'm thinking I'm grading based off of expectation as well because I'm, he's a guy that I expected to kind of ease his way in, maybe be a slow starter, and he still could be. It's just one preseason game and limited snaps, but I didn't expect him to flash that much in his first. NFL game action so based on my expectations he well surpassed that and he's gonna have to especially with Charles Amina who being suspended for the first six games this year so I think we're gonna see him in the fire a lot more than probably he would have if it wasn't for that expansion for Amina I'll give my A to and maybe in the future I have to give you give out one A one B and one C so you don't just give A's across the board Mr. Chiefs fan I mean why would I give you a C if you don't deserve a C? Though? Like, you can't just force me to give a break. You know how this works. I'll give my A to Rasheed Rice, who 
uh, rookie out of SMU, second round draft pick. His final stat line was four targets, three catches, 30 yards, longest of those being 13. But I tweeted out, he looked comfortable, man. Like, I know a lot of times, and maybe I'm picking on Sky more a little bit last year, but like, there were times where I could tell he looked uncomfortable. To me, Rasheed Rice, when he lined up in the huddle, he knew where he was in the or he knew where he was in the formation. He ran his route with comfortability. He knew what to do after the catch. Like to me, uh, especially going from mini mandatory mini camp, seeing him in that, seeing him in training camp, and now seeing him in preseason play, you can see the development. So for him, and obviously he got to continue to build on it. I, I'll give him an A for his first performance. Okay, so I'm not gonna give an A here. I'm gonna give him a B, and that's okay. only because he did have that one drop which was a routine play. But the reason why he still gets a B is because he didn't like the, he didn't let that play affect the rest of his game. And that's what I really admire, especially from a young guy. Can you take that mistake, learn from it, and be better the next time? Don't let that one mistake turn into two mistakes, three mistakes. And maybe that's something you're referring to with Sky Moore, even though it was more on the return game for him, in my opinion, you know, with the drop punts. He did have some stuff in the receiving game as well. Him and Mahomes weren't on the same page, so he did run some bad routes, I'm sure, as well. But I think for Rice, I agree with you. He does look very comfortable, and I'm starting to come around on he really may be that rookie that kind of breaks the Andy Reid curse for rookie wide receivers. And he he may have a bigger impact on his offense in year one than I may have initially gave him credit for. Let's take a break before we go into our grab bag. I'm about to adjust my lighting real quick. We'll be back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 52, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Aaron Ladd here in KC. Steven Serta behind the board. Mark Gunnels, the biggest Taylor Swift fan we know, is in L.A. (laughs) Nice and bright here in KC right now. Let's touch on a couple injury updates because a lot has happened since the last time. Uh, we potted, have been doing the the biweekly pods in the offseason here. Jody Fortson is placed on injured reserve, meaning his 2023 season is over. It was a shoulder injury to my knowledge, and I believe he posted on Instagram saying that he already had surgery, the surgery was successful, and that he um, looks forward to a healthy and prosperous next time he touches on the football field. Tough loss, obviously a guy who's a big body uh, target in the red zone. And, and when we sat down and talked this offseason, he had big goals for this year. Um, tough to see in this way for, for Fortson. Yeah, very unfortunate, man. Talk about a guy that's had a lot of bad luck during his career. Uh, a guy that I've been high on in the past as far as his potential. And why not? I mean, the guy's 
six five, six six, super athletic. You know, you were hoping that he could be maybe that Tony. So I was gonna say Tony Gonzalez, but uh, Travis Kelsey <laughs> kind of uh, re- replacement potentially. But when they drafted Noah Gray, I think that was kind of an insurance plan policy there, just in case Jody Forson didn't turn into that guy. And you know, it's not that he didn't turn into that guy; he just can't stay healthy. So uh, definitely hoping for a speedy recovery. But uh, this may have been his time up in Kansas City, unfortunately. You mentioned your boy, Nico Remigio, after his big showing, six targets, four catches, 71 yards in the loss to the Saints. He goes down with a shoulder injury as well, was not at practice today. That is Wednesday, August 16th. Um, It's a watch and wait situation, and as you mentioned, it could potentially benefit him if he ends up as an IR stash, but part of that mismatch competitive wide receiver room for Kansas City Kansas City entering 2023 yeah and like we mentioned earlier for the Chiefs perspective as long as it's not obviously we don't want it to be a very serious injury but now you could potentially put him on the IR and he's a guy that you could stash on a practice squad and if something happens throughout the season i mean we saw last year in the afc title game they got to the point where they were banking on marcus kemp to get first downs so you never know what injuries can happen to that room so just having him in the stash could be beneficial later in the season if guys get banged up i'm gonna be honest i'm starting to get nervous about legerius sneed and his knee inflammation his last practice was July 31st, did not play against the Saints, and I talked about this locally here on 610 Radio. It sounds like an issue that Kansas City is going to be monitoring throughout the year. I'm not really worried about him missing preseason action because we know this guy is going to strap it up and be ready to play with limited practice time, and he's done that in the past in the regular season. But if this is something that continues to be an issue, it, it gives me pause, Mark. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it's actually funny you bring it up today because – Today was like probably the first time that I really started getting concerned for some reason because with knees, it can be tricky, man, especially when you got swelling there, nothing to play with. So the fact that he hasn't practiced in what going on three weeks here, I think that is kind of concerning. I think you'll be pretty naive to not to to not admit that at this point. And especially when you have such a young DB room, thankfully they did have the ultimate experience last year going all the way to the Super Bowl and winning. So you couldn't ask for a better rookie experience for those guys heading into year two. But still, just having him there, your best corner, he's so versatile. He Spags throws him all around the field. Guy that has under a complete understanding of what Spags expects from that position uh, is definitely concerning. And I'm hoping that he can be ready by week one against the Lions because that's a very explosive offense the Chiefs are going to face week one. And then finally, Isaiah Pacheco, the second year running back out of Rutgers, had the offseason surgeries on the broken hand and the torn labrum. This is from Arrowhead Pride's article of some of these injuries and a roundup on them. It says uh, recovery on a torn labrum is usually six months, which would have him cleared for full contact around August 20th, this upcoming Sunday. Chiefs will probably uh, test him in practice before um, pushing him into any preseason or anything like that. Um, but I'm not worried about Pacheco and they have a solid room behind him. Just wanted to give an update on him. Yeah, I have no concerns there at all. This next one is your department. 
This is, I mean, this is your area of expertise. This is probably what you should have graduated from Lincoln in cryptic tweets, uh, a, ba- a bachelor's in cryptic tweets or can, something can like you, that. Can you, st- can you major in that now? Is that a thing? <laughs> you should teach some of the coursework there. I am, Mike. Hey, let's see what the bag's looking like first. Chris Jones has not been in St. Joe, and if I had to put any money on it, probably won't with only one very quick practice remaining for the world champions. But he's been very active on social media, whether you want to call it Twitter or X. He actually replied to Show and BK's, uh, I want to say it was like the teaser for their latest episode and was talking about how they they still have no faith or they still have no worry that Chris Jones will show up and will play regular season games. I believe his reply to that was, that's what you hope. And then this one also caught me. Now, there's been a lot of these, so I'm just kind of picking through a few of them. I'm sure Mark has one that he likes as well. But uh, Chris Jones says, stay strong and carry on. And a fan named Holly replies and says, Chris, this cryptic tweeting is making me nuts. Okay. It's probably it's probably making me nuts. I just need a yes or no, preferably a yes. Chris Jones replies, I'm under contract for one more year. I'm no fortune teller. Let's just enjoy this year with the trophy emoji. Uh yeah. Your your the runway is clear for you on how you're feeling about contract negotiations and if these latest tweets add anything to what you're feeling. Um no, not really. I think a lot of this is coming from his agent. I think they're just playing negotiation tactics at this point. I think it's all a mind game. I don't think for fans, it's something that you should really stress about too much. Obviously, there's an offer on the table, I believe. I think just the structure, it needs to be tweaked from a Chris Jones size. I think right now they're playing a game of standoff right now. They're trying to wait and see who's going to budge first. Is it going to be Brett Veach or is it going to be Chris Jones and his team? Because obviously week one is coming up. I think we both agree he's not going to miss any game checks. He is under contract for this season. So I do expect him to be there against the Detroit Lions. But the conversation is, will the contract extension be done prior to that game? And right now, I hate to give such a a cop-out answer, but I'm really 50-50 right now, Aaron. Yellow light, yellow light gunnels in the building. I'm really conflicted, man. I can see both sides. I can see a world where, um, you know, they get a deal done. Brett Veach maybe caves in a little bit, and he just wants to keep this guy there for the next three or four years. And I can see a world where Veach has his number. He has his structure. He's not coming off of it. And Chris Jones and this team are maybe still be a little stubborn, and they don't take it. And he plays his last year out, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. I'm I'm really torn, Aaron. I don't know where you're at on this, but that's where I am right now. At this point, mindsets have to be changed on both sides. I think when we started these negotiations or when we started these conversations after the Super Bowl, we're like, oh, man, Depoy candidate, he pencil him in for another 15 sack season. Like, I'm not worried about an extension. And here we are on the heels of preseason game number two. And there's really no I mean, the heels have dug in even more. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Chris and his team, because I think that plays an important part in this. And my buddy Nick Jacobs, who works at KSHB 41, does an amazing job with a bunch of our Chiefs coverage. You've watched our pre and post game show this past week that was all produced by him solo. So I want to shout out him for his work. But he tweeted this. And I think it adds a little bit more context to this whole Chris Jones situation. Players on active NFL rosters represented by the Katz brothers, who are Chris Jones's current representatives. He says Chris Jones, Jody Fortson, Keith Kirkwood, 
Alameda Zacchaeus, former Falcon, Falcons legend, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Shandon Sullivan, and Jordan Mason. So I think that tweet, if I'm not putting words in Nick's mouth, but I'm going to go on good authority, and I understand what he's saying with this tweet is, Chris Jones is their big white whale. Chris Jones is their blue chip uh, client, if you will. This is this contract and this deal and how it's negotiated and the compensation that they get off of this deal is going to be very important for the future of their agency. So I think not only do they understand that, I think that's how they're moving with this negotiation. And I think that's kind of been their strategy throughout how this whole thing goes is that we have a number and we're sticking to it. We don't care if we don't care if Brett Veach doesn't pay top of end market money. We don't care if Brett Veach has said this and that. You are the best defensive player in all of football, and this is our number. And we're not doing anything until we get this number. It's a it's a dangerous it's a dangerous proposition because we're sitting here uh, under a month now away from the first game, and I I don't know if Chris Jones is in football shape. Uh, Joe Cullen took the podium today at training camp and said that they still talk. Joe Cullen is the Chiefs defensive line coach joined the organization last year uh and and him and chris have a great relationship and he says i'm texting him all the time and i'm telling him like yo we need you yo hope you're ready hope you're staying ready um because we all saw what that chief's defense looks like without chris jones and i'm starting to get nervous on more of a a if he shows up than a when he shows up yeah and i think you made a great point and shout out to mr jacobs there your teammate at 41. I think that tweet was great because Chris Jones is the breadwinner there. He yeah. he's 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 the guy that's that's everybody's eating off of in the family. He's the one that people are asking, hey man, can I hold 10, bro? I got you back next week, man. Let me hold something, bro. He's the he's the distant cousin, like you haven't heard from him in a while. Now people hitting him up, like, hey, what's up, cousin? Like he's that guy in that agency. So this is a big negotiation for them. This is gonna shape probably how their agency is going to be moving forward. So I understand from their perspective why they're being so gun hold on whatever that number may be. We've seen numbers floated out 31, 32. Does he want to get paid more than Aaron Donald potentially? I mean, that's been a thing that's been floated around. So it's going to be interesting because we know Brett Veach is very, he can be stubborn sometimes. We saw what he did with the Tyreek Hill situation. He has a number. He doesn't really move off of it. And it's kind of the Patriot way, if you would, Aaron. Throughout all those years when Tom Brady was there, we how often do we hear they just let quality guys go? And then you're just like, what are they doing there? And they just kept winning because they still had Belichick. They still had Brady, still had Gronk. Is this, is this a situation where is Chris Jones not viewed as a part of that, that top core? Is he not in there with the Patrick Mahomes, the Travis Kelseys? Or is he just a step outside of that door? I think we're going to find out very soon because I tell, I'll tell you right now, if this was Mahomes' team or Travis Kelsey's team, there would be no argument. You get whatever you want. But we'll see what happens with Chris Jones, man. Let's, uh, let's get to our Chiefs preview. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. We are rolling merrily along through episode 52 and through the preseason. Chiefs will head 
to Glendale, Arizona, a very familiar place for the World Champion Chiefs. Of course, obviously, that's where they won the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles last time they were in this building. Uh, I, I want to put like some sage or something in the air for the field, the playing surface that has been discussed ad nauseum since the last time <laughs> the Chiefs played there. Uh, hopefully it's much better than the last time they played there, but this surface is not only used for playing games, but also the Cardinals have their training camp practices on the same field as well. So <laughs> I'm sure it's in tip-top shape. Saturday, August 19th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Kansas City time from Glendale, Arizona, Chiefs and Cardinals. Very simple, Mark. What do you want to see from the Chiefs in game in game two of the preseason? We know it's just a three-game preseason now, so your dress rehearsal or your starters playing a little bit longer, maybe that gets moved up a little bit more. Um, we're, we're keeping our eye on the 53-man roster. The roster cutdowns are also different this year for the first time. Um, what's, what do you have your eye on entering this matchup uh, against the Cardinals? Well, before I actually get into the, the game, one thing I'm curious about, and you mentioned it in your opening there, is the field. And typically the second game, especially now since there's only three instead of four preseason games, the second game is when you see your starters play the most. But unfortunately, this second game just happens to be on that field. So it's, it puts the Chiefs in a weird spot here. Do you still go based on how you normally go? in a typical second preseason game and have the starters play however long you would normally do? Or do you cut that back a little bit considering the place you're playing at in, in this game? I kind of am curious to hear your thoughts on that. If you're Andy Reid, do you let that affect how you go about playing time in this game? I don't know. Dave Tobe, uh, chief special teams coordinator and assistant head coach, was kind of asked about um, how he thinks the field will be holding up by the time they get there. I don't know if it was a political answer. I don't know if it was actually how he feels, but he says he has faith. He feels like it'll be different because obviously they used the golf grass for the Super Bowl last time out. Um, this time, uh, kind of going back to the traditional service that the Cardinals are used to playing and practicing on. For me, if you're asking starters playtime, I would like to see what Andy Reid promises the first time around. Give me a full quarter. And if it's one of those things where the offense is in the middle of a drive as the quarter ends out, let them finish out that drive. But at this point in time, especially based off what that first preseason game and the performance that y'all put on tape the first time out, I got to see something better, man. And specifically, I got to see success in short yardage. Show me some creativity on fourth and short or third and short. Don't line up in an in a I formation. Don't line up in something with the with the tight end under the under center and you're motioning. Like, Give me four wide and Mahomes scrambles. Give me, give me the corn dog or give me like the snow globe play or give me something that mirrors your traditional offense in fourth and in, in short yardage. I don't know why, and maybe this is because I'm not a coach and I'm just a guy who podcasts and, and, and does TV, but I don't know why KC treats short yardage situations like it's a completely different game than they're treating the rest of the game. Like it, it's almost a little bit of an overthinking from my perspective. Yeah. If those situations come up again here in preseason game number two, I want to see success in short yardage for KC. Yeah, and for me, assuming the starters do play at least a quarter in this game, which I think they ultimately will, I want to see more of Daneric Prince, a guy that you mentioned earlier. You know, he's been a, a camp darling, to say the least, a guy that people yeah. have been really high on. I want to see more of that burst. I think in that first game, I think it was more of him overthinking 
instead of just actually hitting the hole and going. I don't think it had anything to do with his actual game speed. So hopefully with more reps in this second game, the game starts to slow down for him, and you see him pop a little bit more on the screen. And I also want to see him more in the passing game. We didn't get to see that in New Orleans. That's been one thing that we've been hearing about throughout camp is he's a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield as well. So I want to see a little bit more of that. Uh, just more of the offensive line play, some more continuity there, just continuing to stack more good reps based on what they did last week. And I want to see Mahomes actually throw a ball past 10 yards in this game. <laughs> well, let's stick with the quarterbacks because people were very impressed with, speak of a, a camp, darling. How about preseason, darling, Shane Buchel? The last few seasons, big game Shane has showed up in a big way. If you take away the interception, I thought he was flawless in the game against New Orleans. And it has people talking. I, I'm I'm looking on the timelines. I'm looking on the Twitters. I'm looking on social media. People think big game Shane should be QB two entering this season over potentially a guy they brought in from Tampa Bay in uh, Missouri Tiger standout um, Blaine Gabbert. What do you think, man? Is it because in my in my perspective, I don't think there's anything that he could do in the preseason that could really change the depth chart on how it looks. I think. No matter how much Shane plays his ass off, Blaine was brought in under the premise of being that steady veteran presence uh, a la uh, Chad Henney last year. But there's going to be a point here where if Shane keeps putting some of those those like those like scramble plays like we saw in New Orleans that's got Mahomes fired up on the sideline, like at a certain point, the coaches are going to have to take notice um, and, and there may be something here. What do you think? Yeah, this is all Chiefs Twitter talk. Nothing more, nothing less. There's no way. What's that say? Finally. <laughs> no, this is this is all hoopla. Blaine Gabbard is QB two. There's this is not even a discussion inside of one Arrowhead Drive. I can guarantee you that. Like you mentioned, they brought in Blaine Gabbard to be QB two, to be that Chad Henney. The guy has played the last couple of years behind Tom Brady, so I would imagine he's learned a lot of good things during that time taking notes here and there behind the goat. And, you know, if Mahomes and knock on wood, Mahomes isn't needed or Mahomes isn't, doesn't get hurt to where you're, you're needing your backup quarterback to play. I, I think Blaine Gabbard is a, a solid QB too, man. I think he, people are really getting too high because they saw the flash in Shane Buchel. And it was kind of more like a Mahomes S type of play style, but Chad Henney was not that type of guy. He's a guy that just comes in there, knows the playbook, makes the reads, finds the open guy. He's not going to scramble around, put the ball in harm's way. And I think that's going to be a similar thing if, if Blaine Gabbert ever has to come into the game. Just somebody that's steady. I don't need the flash and the high-risk plays because you're not Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, you pulled that off, but it was pretty <laughs> as well against backups. So I, I'm not – I'm yellow light ladding the Shane hype. The big game Shane. He doesn't deserve no nickname for a preseason. Get out of here with that. This is his first time doing that. And I do think it's funny. Like, Mahomes obviously is an ad lib backyard quarterback guy. And then the last, you know, since he's come in and been a starter, like the second guy is nothing like that. He's more of a like stationary, <laughs> like, like a very traditional pocket passer type. Like I Matt do Moore. Wonder, yeah. I do wonder when, like, you know, when this QB two and three just all turn into like Mahomes prototypes, like Shane has a little bit more of that in his game. I it, it, It's almost like for the yin and yang for Andy Reid, like 
he'll roll and he'll live with Mahomes and all the ad libs and the stuff that he does because obviously it's amazing and the and the ceiling is so great. But he also part of him in the back of his mind knows that he needs to have like a field general stable like traditional type quarterback there. So I, I think that's fun. No controversy here. We're both out on that here on Coast to Coast. Let's head down to Vegas. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by Elite Church. Let's go to Vegas with Mark. Oh, man, he's been working indeed. I saw you on Instagram Reels handing out some winners. Mark Mark is in Vegas, <laughs> and Mark is in full effect. These are advanced futures that we're looking at for the NFL season coming up. Mark Gunnels has been handing out winners all off-season long, and he's got another one here on episode 52. Mark Gunnels, take it away. Yeah, so... You can get this on FanDuel. I know that's a very popular site for you kids out there, all you degenerates going on FanDuel, crossing the border and going to Kansas and putting your plays in. Shout out to you guys out there in the Metro. But on FanDuel, if you go on there, you type in NFL, hit on NFL, go to Kansas City Chiefs Specials. You can get the over on Chiefs wins at 13 and a half at plus 250. The Chiefs have won 14 games, two of the last three seasons. With that extra game, obviously that helps a lot. And you look at their schedule, while it looks difficult on the surface, I do think this will be the first time in the Mahomes era they have a top 10 defense. So when I consider that, with them having one of the best offenses in the league once again, I think winning 14 games is definitely within the realm of possibility. And then with plus money, I think you have to take it there. I, I love the odds because if you took them down, let's say you want the Chiefs at over 12 and a half, it's, it's, it's minus 165. So why not go one more game up and get it at plus 250 when they've done it two of the last three seasons? So I like this play a lot. I like the value here, but this is one of those plays that makes me nervous because 14 wins, Mark. I know it's happened two of the last three years. That's rare air when you're talking about NFL teams. It's hard to string that that many wins together. KC's played the most team, most games of any NFL team since 2018. That's a lot of wear and tear on the body. And a lot of these are one score games. I think the stat is like something close to like 65 or 70 percent of the games in the entire league are decided by one score or less. Ooh. It's, Especially it's a, where I, they could win 13 games and you and, and you would be yeah, crushed, right? But, You'd be hurt. But it's, but it's a value play, though. It's yeah. about the odds here. At plus money, I think it's worth a little sprinkle. Absolutely. Mark Gunnels has got your play here. Chiefs over 13 and a half wins, plus 250 on FanDuel. Make sure to give Mark a little cut, right? Like, we got to put your, like, cash app. Or if you handed out so much free money on our platform, man, we got to – Y'all got to help him out, man. Y'all got to remember who got you there. Mark Gunnels from Vegas. Thank you so much for that one. We have a voicemail here Uh we want to get to as we wrap up episode 52 here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. A very important question coming from Patrick on voicemail. What you got for us, Patrick? Lloyd calling from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My question is for my old friend, Aaron Ladd. Aaron, uh, I'm wondering about... The quarterback battle here, you know, we've heard over the last few years about, you know, Burrow versus Mahomes. And that debate can be had, of course. But my question for you is kind of off the field when it comes to these two guys. 
Who do you think has more drip? Would love to hear your thoughts, guys. I didn't know this was Patrick Lloyd. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We used to work together at WNBF, <laughs> the uh, NBC station in Myrtle Beach. This guy is hilarious, man. That's that's small world. Um, going to his actual question, <laughs> who has more drip? Uh, I don't know. I'll say this about Pat, right? So, you know, he does, like, the comfy stuff for the home games. And then, like, he'll do, like, the business trip look um for the for the road games i think when he does the business trip look and obviously you know half a billion dollar man uh the three-piece suits and all that it's hard to compete with him when it comes to taylor when it comes to the this the suit shirt tie combination when he wants to put it together he can now when he comes to the home games looking like you know west texas oil money who just rolled out of bed i can't vouch for that but I, I, I'll go pat on this one because I'm not familiar with Burroughs a lot. Of, I, I remember the pink thing from the AFC Championship game last year, and I didn't really, I didn't really like that. Nah, Burrow does ha- does have some drip though. I ain't going, I ain't going to play him like that. Joe Cool, he definitely he he comes together, but he doesn't. I never seen him with the uh, the professional look though, like what Mahomes brings. Mahomes is just looks super clean, classy. But I think you're you're sleeping on his streetwear attire for the home games i think you're sleeping on it bro like he, he'll come to the game with a Kansas city monarchs jersey or something like that looking cool with the the publicist the laid it out salute salute with, the publicist yeah, yeah with, with the oakley shades you know he's sponsored by oakley shout the oakley i mean i think you you're sleeping on a streetwear game man <laughs> the real question for everybody watching at home is who has more drip between Mark and I? Let that that's the real question here. <laughs> Mark Gunnels with three buttons in his shirt, maybe unbuttoned all the way down to the belly button. I'm buttoned up today, man. Buttoned I'm proud today. of you. This is actually a clean look for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, man. I, I knew you would uh you would appreciate it. Let's update the audience on our recording schedule as we inch closer to the regular season. Shout out to Patrick, your boy. <laughs> Thank you, Pat Lloyd, for that. I'm going to have to shoot him a message. He's a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, so I'm surprised he hasn't asked a Jags question. Our next episode will be August 30th, and then guess what? After that, we will be switching back to our weekly recording schedule for the regular season. Our next episode, August 30th, 6 o'clock, on Arrowhead Pride podcast channels. And then our next episode after that will be September 6th, the day before the NFL kickoff at Arrowhead Stadium, world champion Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions coming in, trying to dethrone them. Quick, yes or no, I'm putting you on the spot right before we end. By the time we come back on, by the time we come back on, is a Chris Jones done, deal done? No. For Mark Gunnels out in L.A., Aaron Ladd here in Kansas City, <laughs> Steven Serta behind the board. Coast to Coast is out of here. <laughs>